السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Can someone please give me a mic check Sound check please just make sure that everyone can hear me بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين والعدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمدا عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين صلى الله وسلم وبارك عليه وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد So welcome to uh, I think it's lesson 8 الحمد لله from uh, this year's QP so QP, QP year 4, we are on, inshallah ta'ala, lesson 8. And inshallah ta'ala, as we know, last week we began with the tafsir of Surah Al-Shams. And inshallah ta'ala, today we will continue with it. So we mentioned last week an introduction into uh, Surah Al-Shams. And, uh, and by the way, if there were any questions from last week uh, that someone did post, if they could kindly repost them here, I would appreciate that. Jazakumullah um, So we began with the tafsir of Surah Al-Shams. Uh, last week and we mentioned some of its introductory points and one of the things that we mentioned is how it's uh, mentioned by name in, in a number of a hadith uh, especially as it relates to the way that the Prophet sallallahu the length of surahs that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would would recite uh, especially in Salatul Isha and it's mentioned in some of the wordings or the narrations of the hadith of Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiyallahu an when he uh, prolonged one of the salawat and that famous story where the man then leaves the salah midway and the Prophet ﷺ spoke to Mu'adh about that and one of the things that he said to him is that if you're going to lead people in Isha then recite surahs like Sabbihisma Rabbika La'ala and Washamsi Waduhaha and that uh, kind of brought us onto that topic or we mentioned the three different names by which this surah is known and we mentioned that they that the uh, most common name, the one that it is known by now, is Surah Ash-Shams. And then the second name that is also mentioned is Surah Wash-Shams, with the wow added at the beginning. And the third one is the one that was mentioned in the hadith, and that is the entirety of the first verse, Surah Wash-Shamsi Waduhaha. And we also mentioned that the scholars have agreed that this Surah is a Makki Surah. So it is by Ijma' or by consensus of the scholars of Tafsir, a Makki revelation. And as we will come to find out, if not this week, then inshallah ta'ala next week, that the theme of this surah uh, kind of revolves around the issue of the tazkiyah to nafs, right? of, of purifying the soul, of the different types of souls, those who purify their souls, and those who, who hope to achieve through that purification the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and those who don't purify their souls. And so their souls are spiritually unclean. And, despite, uh, and because of that, they then have the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is in some ways similar in theme, or there is at least a connection in theme to the surah that we already covered and concluded, and that is Surah Al-Layl. Because in Surah Al-Layl we're speaking, or we, we saw those verses which Allah Azza wa speaks about the, the people who, for them, the path of ease will be made smooth and simple for them, and the people who the path of difficult will be made easy for them to apply. 
And so this is similar in that sense because Allah is saying that there are certain people, one path will be easier for them to take as opposed to the other path because they have chosen to behave in a certain way and to do certain things either in terms of accepting Allah's commands or rejecting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's commands. And because of that, therefore, that obviously has a link to a person's nafs, their soul and the way that it is purified or not purified, etc, etc. So that is the theme as we will come on to see because when it comes on to the Jawab Al-Qasim, uh, this surah begins with a number of oaths that Allah Azzawajal takes. When we come on to see why Allah Azzawajal has taken those oaths, it will speak about the issue of purification of, of the soul, uh, as will be mentioned, inshallah ta'ala, at the appropriate time. We began last week then with the first, the tafsir of the first verse of this surah, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالشَّمْسِ وَضُحَاهَا And Allah Azzawajal takes an oath by the sun, and he takes an oath by the duha. And we mentioned that some of the scholars said that the duha refers to the whole day. And that's very common in Arabic language where you say, for example, uh, you know, you use a portion of something or, or, or a part of something to refer to the whole. It's very common in Arabic language. So when, uh, and this was a position, as we said, I think even Jari, if I remember correctly, we said last week he was from amongst the scholars who chose that. That you say the word duha, and even though duha means the morning or that part of the day that is the morning, actually what is being referred to is the entirety of the day. Allah Azzawajal is taking an oath by the entirety of the day. The duha is mentioned is because it's one of the most prominent times of the day. It's the mornings when the light first appears. It's when the sun is starting to rise and it's going to its zenith and its highest point in the sky. And so it's mentioned from that point because after noon, or after you hit midday, the sun starts to slowly but surely decline and set. And so therefore the duha is mentioned because it's talking about the sun coming out and its light and its brightness and so on. And so the duha is more appropriate, but actually what is being referred to is the whole of the day. And that's similar, like if you look at the hadith, um, uh, if you look at the hadith uh, in which the Prophet wasallam mentioned um, when he was speaking about Salat al-Asr, the hadith is in Sahih Muslim. When the Prophet wasallam said, whoever catches a sajda before the sun sets has caught Asr. That's the wording of the hadith. من أدرك سجدة قبل غروب الشمس فقد أدرك العصر وكما قال صلى الله عليه وسلم Whoever catches the sajda before a sajda before salah before the sun sets has caught the asr. Meaning, if someone is very late for salat al-asr, and obviously for a valid reason, because to delay the salah to that extent without a valid reason is not allowed, not permissible. But someone who 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 for a genuine reason is delayed then they're able to make a sajda, then they have caught asr. Now the meaning of the word sajda here isn't literally prostration, but it means a raka'ah. You've caught a raka'ah. And it's mentioned in some of the wordings some of the narrators said, and the meaning of sajda here is raka'ah. Like they elaborate. Not the Prophet, the Prophet didn't say that, but some of the narrators of the hadith, they mentioned that that's what's being meant. And that is the correct opinion. That is what is being meant. Because how do you catch a sajda? If you haven't caught the rak'ah, obviously you start from standing and ruku'an. If anything, the sajda is very is towards the very end of the rak'ah that you're performing. Why is the sajda mentioned here? Because the sajda in terms of the whole rak'ah, in terms of the positions of the rak'ah, is the most important position, right? Because of its virtues and its rewards and how close you are to Allah Azza wa The Prophet wasallam said it is the closest position a servant is to their Lord and so on. Those are hadith that we know. And so sometimes the sharia in the sunnah, sometimes the wording is the sajda, but the word, the, the, the reference or the meaning is not the actual position, but that it is a 
part or the most important part of the whole and that is the whole that is being referred to. And so that is similar here according to some of the scholars who said that the word duha here is referring to all of the nahar. It's referring to the whole day, the whole of the daylight. But actually the word duha is mentioned here because of it's the most important part of the day, meaning in the sense that that's when the sun is rising and, and its light and so on is shining. That's one position. Other scholars said, no, the actual meaning is duha itself. That's what's being referred to. And the duha, as we know, is a morning, right? It's a spectrum because the morning starts with the sun, with sunrise, and it continues the time of duha, continues all the way up until towards the time of dhuhr. And so that's, you know, like three, four, five, six hours, depending on which part of the season you're in. And so therefore, that's a, a great amount of time also. But some of the scholars were the position that the duha, when it's mentioned, even if you're referring to just the duha, that's what you're referring to specifically, the morning, the position or the part of it that's being referred to here is when the sun is towards the highest part of the sky, meaning towards the end of the duha time, right? The end of the duha time. And that's even mentioned in some of the hadith of Salatul duha, right? The prayer that is offered in the morning, the, 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 the optional prayer that is known as Salatul duha, which is also in some narrations called Salatul Awabin, in, uh, in the hadith in, in the narration Sahih Muslim, I think it's the hadith of Al-Bara ibn Azim, عن, if I remember correctly, and I don't have it in front of me, but maybe someone can research this. The Prophet وسلم, because he came across a group of people who were praying Salat al-Duha, but they were praying it towards the early part of the morning. And he said to them, no, this is not the time for this. But rather, I heard the Prophet say that the time for the Salah is when you see the, 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 the young camels their skins becoming extremely warm from the ray of the sun, meaning that it's extremely hot, that even to touch the skin of the camel is, is difficult because of how hot it is, meaning that the sun has risen to a very high extent because when sun, the sun rises, is still relatively cool. The sun has yet to give its full heat and its full light upon the earth. And so it's very at the very beginning of the day. Whereas if you were to go no, around half 10, 11 a.m., now the sun is very close to its height. And when it's there, you find that that's when the sun is at its strongest. And so that is also something which you will find that some of the scholars of Tafsir uh, mentioned or some of the scholars of Tafsir said is what is being referred to. But even either way, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as, as the teacher of our teacher, Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti, said, Allah Azza wa is taking an oath by these two things to show that each one of them, in, in essence, actually, each one of them is a sign from the signs of Allah Azza wa Jal. The sun is a sign from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we spoke last week about how the sun is not only for its light, but even its heat. It is a sign from the signs of Allah Azza wa Jal. But also the duha, the morning, the sun showing its light and its brightness and so on, is also from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this week, inshallah ta'ala, we continue with verse number two. And in it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالْقَمَرِ إِذَا تَلَاهَا And by the moon, as it follows it. By the moon, as it follows it. And that is the translation of uh, Professor Abdul Harim. But I think all of them, uh, all of the literally Sahih International, Mufti Taqi, uh, Muhsin Khan, more or less all of them have the same translation, more or less with maybe the slight odd wording difference here or there. And by the moon, that Allah is taking an oath by the moon, as it follows it, meaning that the moon is following the sun, right? The moon is following the sun. The word talaha, Imam al-Bukhari said, that it refers to tabi'aha in his tafsir, in, in his sahih, in sahih al-Bukhari, when he's making the tafsir of this verse, Imam al-Bukhari mentions that the word talaha means that it's following it. And that was the position of, of Ma'mar. إِذَا تَلَى لَيْلَةُ الْهِلَالِ 
that it's following the uh, the, the the night. Uh, Imam Al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the moon, he takes an oath by the moon as it follows the sun. And that is in the first half of the month. And this is the position he said, or it's also narrated as being the statement, meaning that the, the, the moon is following the sun. That is the statement also of the likes of Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhuma, Mujahid, Qatada, and others. Uh, and Ibn Zayd, uh, ta'ala, said something very similar. He said that this is an oath that Allah Azzawajal takes by the moon. And the moon follows the sun, and that's why Allah Azzawajal says, and by the moon as it follows it, meaning follows the sun, and it's follow, it follows it in the first half of the month. What is being referred to here by it following it the first half of the month is that you find that the, uh, and some of the scholars made this distinction that what is being referred to uh, in first and foremost is the first night of the new moon. So the first night of the new moon, right? when you want to see, and, and this is perhaps the way that we would best understand this is when it comes to the moon sighting issue, often in Ramadan, beginning of Ramadan, end of Ramadan, Eid, right? we have the moon sighting issue. What is the moon sighting issue that we often have? And, and that's why you have differences of opinion in communities and cities and, and different countries and so on. Some people fasting one day, some people fasting the next day. Maybe some people have been fasting two days after some other people. What is the issue? The issue is that you're looking for the new moon. The new moon or the crescent of the new moon is extremely fine. Right? It's extremely small and often it is seen for a very short period of time. Often for a couple of minutes only. And when is it seen? It's seen as soon as the sun sets. As the sun first sets, right, on that first night, just so just say today we thought was going to be the first night of the new month. Right? Today was meant to be the first night of the new month, so the new moon should have been seen, the crescent would have been seen. Those people who look for the crescent, right, and you've probably seen this, especially uh, in recent times, because it's very popular now on social media, people like spread this stuff, especially in, in, in the Arab world anyway. Um, what they're doing is that they're going there around Asr time or after Asr and what they're waiting for is literally for Maghrib to set in because as soon as the sun sets that is the optimum time to be able to look for and witness that new crescent so they're looking with their telescopes they're looking with the naked eye they're looking and they have certain places where they know that it's most likely to be able to be seen if this, especially if the sky is clear and there's no clouds and so on and so forth they're looking for that and it is a fine amount of time right and so Allah Azza wa Jal, when He says, taraha, The moon as it follows the sun, how is it following it? Some of the scholars, and this is why you see Al-Tabari and others saying that it follows it in the first half of the month because the first half of the month, as we know, the moon starts off as a crescent and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. When does the full moon, when is the full moon seen? It's seen in the middle of the month. And that's what Ibn Zayd said, because after the, after the first half of the month, in the last half of the month, actually, you know, the moon doesn't follow the sun, the sun follows the moon. Because now, the moon starts to shrink and shrink and shrink again, right? And that's why though those nights of the 13th, 14th, 15th, where it is recommended to fast also, the three optional fasts, uh, as is mentioned in some narrations, uh, they're, they're called in Arabic, the layali al-bil. Right, the white nights. Why are they called the white nights? Because that is when the sun, the moon rather, is at its fullest. So it gives off most of its light. It is at its whitest. And so because of that, they are called the white nights. But the point here being, is that when we're referring to the sun, the, the moon following the sun, this is what, it, what they're referring to. That it follows the sun, meaning as soon as it sets, you see the moon. Right? It's right there. 
and it's normally a very fine amount of time. So that's essentially what is being referred to here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking an oath by the Qamar. And the Qamar, as we know, the moon in and of itself is an amazing sign from the signs of Allah Azza wa It's an amazing sign in terms of the way that it gives light in the night and the way, especially because now we live in a time when artificial lighting in the evenings, in the night, has become so stable that we don't really need to look for the moon. The moon doesn't play as much of an important issue uh, in our lives as perhaps it did in generations that came before. In generations that came before, one of the very few sources of light that you would have once the sun had set would be the moon. And people would travel by the moon and people would use the moon and it would be something which was extremely important to them. And it has its position, as we know, also in Islam. And so therefore, the Prophet uh, rather Allah Azza wa Jalla when He's saying Allah is taking an oath by the moon because it is from the magnificent creations of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and Allah Azza wa Jalla often takes an oath not only by the uh, not only not only does Allah Azza wa Jalla take an oath by the moon in the Quran, but Allah Azza wa Jalla often mentions it as one of His major signs. Right, the word Qamar as a sign of Allah Azza wa Jalla, the moon is mentioned in many uh, many many times, and the difference between the two, between the sun and the moon, is the sun is not visible to the naked eye, meaning that as humans it is extremely difficult for us to be able to directly look into the sun, if not impossible, to look into the sun because of how strong it is. And that is why you rarely see, you know, especially in, in olden times now with technology and so on, we've seen the sun and maybe you can get images of the sun or you can use certain implements to uh, and certain equipment to see the sun. But in olden times, you wouldn't see the sun. They had no concept of what the sun looked like in its entirety because of the way the sun is. But the moon is something which is seen. The moon is something which people have seen and they understand because it doesn't have that same level of light and heat and difficulty to be able to see. So when the when the people of the Quraysh came to the Prophet and they demanded a miracle, they didn't ask for the sun to be split, but rather they asked for the moon to be split. Why? Because even if the moon, the sun was split, no one would be able to see it with their naked eye. It's impossible for someone to check and see, and, and it wouldn't be a sign for them that made any sense for them. What do they request? They request the moon that is split. Allah says, the hour has come close and the moon has been split, referring to the miracle that the Prophet was given, because they could clearly see it being split. And that is the difference between the two. So both of them are clearly from the major signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah Azza wa takes an oath by the moon and he takes an oath by the, the, the if you like, the, the circuit of the moon or, the, or the, the path of the moon, right? And the way that it, that it follows the sun. And we know, obviously, it's because the earth is, is, is rotating on its axis and so on. And so sometimes it's towards the sun and sometimes it's not towards the sun. But either way, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking an oath by this because of the position of the sun and the moon and how important they are to human life. Right? And now we know, uh, in, 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 you know because of modern science and technology and so on, the importance of the moon in terms of the way that it impacts tidal waves and, and the way that it impacts many different things. It is something which is integral to, to our existence on this planet by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Allah azza wa takes an oath by it in this surah to show its importance. But I want to stress that point which I found a beautiful understanding of this when the, when the moon is following the sun. Uh, one of the, the meanings of this is that first part of the, of, the, of the month especially, 
when the new crescent is seen because then you see it following the sun immediately right it actually immediately follows the sun at other times when this when the moon gets bigger it's there in the night and you can see it at other parts but when it's a new crescent and new moon it is often on that first night of the new month there only for a very short period of time and it will only be seen as soon as the sun sets as if it is literally following the sun right literally one sets and the other one appears for a very short amount of time and i found that some of the uh, scholars of tafsir not necessarily from the early scholars but from the more contemporary scholars who obviously now with with the benefit of of science and technology we understand some of this stuff more they mentioned this and i thought that it was a nice understanding of this verse that helps us to understand the beauty of the moon and the sun and the way that allah Azza has created them both as signs in verse number three allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says by the day as it displays the sun's glory and that is the translation of professor abdul halim which is often the one that i just have uh, ready for me like in my own notes uh, but mahsan khan says by the day as it shows up the sun's brightness mufti taqi and by the day when it shows when it shows his brightness and sahih international by the day when it displays it and by the day when it displays it one of the things that you will find here is that there is a difference of opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir as to what the uh, pronoun is referring to. So when Allah says, The ha at the end, right, which would be literally translated as an it, by the day as it displays it, what is the it referring to here? Right? Abdul Halim, Muhsin Khan and others have chosen that it's referring to the sun. By the day as it displays the sun's glory. Right? They're saying that the it refers to the sun. But we will see that there is a different position also. And the two are actually very similar in terms of meaning, meaning that one necessitates the other. Uh, and Imam At-Tabari, alayhi rahmatullah, chose the position of Mujahid. And the position of Mujahid is that it's referring to the sun. By the, by the day as it displays the sun's glory. And the day, by Allah Azza takes an oath by the day. Right? So Allah Azza takes an oath by the sun in verse number one, by the moon in verse number two. In verses three and four, now Allah Azza will take an oath by the timing in which those two creations of Allah Azza are most visible and apparent. Right? Because we know that the sun is always there, the moon is always there. It's just that we see one at one time, at one particular time of the day, and the other one at another particular time of the day. So Allah Azza takes an oath in verse one by the sun, verse two by the moon. Now verses 3 and 4 will take Allah Azza takes an oath by the day and the night because you see one in daytime which is the sun and one at night time which is the moon. So Imam Al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala chose the position of Mujahid and that is that it's referring to the sun. So Allah Azza is saying by the day as it displays the sun's glory. It's referring, the it is referring to the sun and you see its glory. And this was also the position that was chosen by Ibn Ashur in his tafsir he also chose this to be the stronger position. The other position is that actually what's, what the it is referring to is not the sun but the earth. Not the sun but the earth. So it's referring to the day. So Allah is taking an oath. So the translation will be by the day as it displays the earth's glory. Meaning that by the daylight you see, and this is a position by the way that was chosen by Ibn Kathir. Rahimahullah ta'ala in his tafsir. And it seems that Allah Azza knows best is because uh, 
by saying that the day as it displays the sun's glory, again the sun is extremely difficult to see. So you see the glory of the sun, but you don't see it directly, you see it in its effects. Right? You see it in the way that its rays have touched the earth. So Ibn Kathir was of the position that was referring to the Arb. The it is referring to the Arb by the day as it displays the earth's glory. Meaning, he says, كَشَفَهَا وَوْضَحَ كُلَّ مَا فِيهَا لِيَتَيَسَّرَ طَلَبُ الْمَعَاشِ وَالسَّعِي Because through it, that light, he says, it makes the earth clear. And everything that you see in it becomes apparent. And therefore, it makes it easy for you to live and to seek sustenance and to move around and so on. Especially, as we said, in previous generations, in previous times before electricity and artificial lighting and so on. What would happen is you seek your sustenance and your jobs and your chores and everything else, your visits, everything that you do is determined and dictated by daylight hours. Once the sun sets and it becomes dark, it is not going to be very common for you to go and eat and for you to go and visit and for you because it is difficult for people people don't have light right and so it's difficult to see people even though it does happen and you will find even narrations in the sunnah where things are happening after maghrib and after isha but that is not the norm especially when it comes to working and to and to farming and to doing certain things it is all dictated by daylight right and to a certain extent even in our time it is the same even in our time it is the same especially when it comes to those types of jobs such as uh, you know farming and certain types of industries are still very much dictated by daylight so you will find even today even in places like the west where in this in, in the winter months like uh, maghrib comes in relatively very early right we come in very early and so what you will find is that people will still like farmers and so on they will still uh, stop their their jobs once the sun sets Right? And even sometimes builders and sometimes other people, you will find that they're actually, if they're, especially if they're working outdoors and the builder, maybe they're building houses and so on, once the sun sets, even though they have now the ability to have artificial lighting and so on, just makes it harder to see. And when it makes it harder to see, it's harder to work. And so people start to wind down. Right? And so that was the position of Ibn Kathir, alayhi rahmatullah. And clearly, as we said, one necessitates the other. So they're both focusing on a different element. But when we speak about the sun and it's, if, if it's referring to the sun's glory that is being displayed, then clearly part of that glory is the way that it illuminates the earth. And if we're speaking about the earth and the way that it's illuminated and brightened out and lighted, brightened up and lighted, then clearly that comes from the sun and its rays and its lights. But it seems to me, and Allah Azza wa Jalla knows best, that Al-Tabari and others chose to focus on one particular aspect and the others, such as Ibn Kathir, chose to uh, focus on a different aspect and Allah Azza wa Jal, throughout these verses as we know the ending of these verses always is with the pronoun ha right وَالشَّمْسِ وَضُحَاهَا وَالْقَمَرِ إِذَا تَرَاهَا وَالنَّهَارِ إِذَا جَلَّاهَا وَالْلَيْلِ إِذَا يَغْشَاهَا what is the ha the, pro, the pronoun referring to what is it always referring to and you will find a difference of opinion uh, amongst the scholars regarding some of those pronouns and what they're referring to some you will find always say it refers to the sun because Allah Azza wa began with the sun so because that's what the beginning is of the surah verse number one was shamsi wa duhaha then all the other has the its continuously go back to the, the sun at least in the first few verses anyway until Allah Azza wa starts to speak about something else so you will find this you will find this another scholar said no another scholar said no it's referring to the effects each one is if you like distinct in its own way so it's referring to the way that each, like when it comes to, for example, this verse, is referring to the way that the day 
you see you're able to benefit from the earth you're able to live your life you're able to go out and seek provision you're able to go out and seek sustenance you're able to go out and do what you need to do during that particular day but you will find anyway some of these variances in the books of tafsir in in verse number four allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then takes another oath so this is now the fourth verse and another oath and this time the oath is by the night allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and by the night as it conceals it so the day displays it and the night conceals it right so again it's either referring to the pronoun is either referring to as we said before either it's referring to the sun right because the night conceals the sun and its light or it's referring to the earth because the night as it comes in will conceal the earth and so either way, as we said, both of them actually one necessitates the other, but you find that difference of opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir. So Allah Azzawajal says, And by the night as it conceals it, uh, that's the, the translation of, of Abdul Hadi, Professor Abdul Harim. Uh, Muhsin Khan says, By the night as it conceals it, and then in brackets he says, The sun, Mufti Thaqiyan, by the night when it envelops him, and Sahih uh, International by the night when it covers, i.e. conceals it, right? And so again, you find most of them have just sufficed with the pronoun, but Muhsin Khan going towards the, the issue of the sun again. The word ghashiya in the Arabic language, which is the root word or the root verb of the word yaghshaha, Ibn Ashur rahimahullah ta'ala says, al-ghashi huwa taghtiya. Al-ghashi means to envelop, to cover. Right? That's what it means in the Arabic language. He says, but obviously the meaning isn't a literal meaning because the night doesn't literally cover, right? the night doesn't literally cover the earth or cover the sun. It is as we know now, obviously, because of the rotation of the earth and its axes and so on and so forth. That's what's actually happening. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the night covers it because that's the time in which it takes place. Just as the daylight is the time when the earth is illuminated, so it is not the day time that is illuminating that is the sun but it is referred to as being daylight because that is the time of the day when it occurs so likewise the night the night is the time of the day or the night is the time of the 24-hour day in which you find that the earth is covered in darkness and so it's as if it's being referred to the covering is being associated with the position of the night and by the night as it conceals it so the word right means to conceal it means to completely cover, right? To envelop, right? And that's why that's a nice um, translation, because all the others have said. Uh, if I look back at the translations, everyone kind of said conceals, but Sahih International covers, and Mufti Taqi said envelops, right? Which are more accurate in terms of the linguistic meaning of the word Rashiya. Obviously, conceals is also the correct meaning because that's what's actually happening. It's concealing the sun, right, or the light of the sun as opposed to enveloping it. Uh, but the actual word that is being referred to is al-ghashi, which means to envelop and to cover, meaning that when the night comes, the whole of the earth is covered by it. So you don't have parts, or the whole of that region anyway, because obviously there are other parts of the earth that aren't it's still daylight. But where you are, for you where it is night, all of your area is night. Right? It's not like you know my house is night, but my next door neighbor still has light. Or, you know, the front of my house is in, in darkness, but the rear of my house will be in light. Where you are in your locality, 
where it is darkness for you and night for you, all of that is enveloped by the, the darkness of, of the night. And that's why you find that word ghashiya, uh, right, used in a number of contexts in the Quran and in the Sunnah. And it's always used to show that it is total cover, right, total, uh, total enveloping or total covering. So for example, um, when Allah Azza wa says concerning Pharaoh, Right, when his army is coming to the into the into the, the the sea, when they're entering into the sea, and Allah says that the, the water of the, the, the sea covered them. Allah says in Surah Taha, فَغَشِيَهُمْ مِنَ الْيَمِّ مَا غَشِيَهُمْ right, غشيا. And it covered them from the river, from the water and the sea, that which covered them. Meaning that it completely drowned them. Right? It wasn't like there was any part of them that wasn't, all of them were drowned. فَغَشِيَهُمْ مِنَ الْيَمِّ مَا غَشِيَهُمْ And Allah Azza wa Jal uses that word غَشِيَ in a number of contexts in, in the Qur'an. Um, and in the Sunnah it is also, uh, it is also uh, mentioned, for example in the hadith in which the Prophet was speaking about the virtues of the gatherings of knowledge and the people who come and they gather, right? The Prophet said when they come together and they study the Quran and they study the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah, the Prophet said that from the virtues and the rewards is ghashiyatum ar-rahmah. Right? They are covered in the mercy or by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so it is a total covering. Right? And that's why in some narrations of that hadith where the Prophet said that the angels come and they form a ring. right? They form a circle around the circle of knowledge. And then there's another group of angels that come and they form a ring on top of that first ring and the third circle and the fourth and ring ring all the way up until they reach the heavens and when the people then disperse they go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah Azawajal asks them and he knows subhanahu wa ta'ala but he asks them where did you come from or what were they doing and so on and what did they, those people want and whatever and Allah Azawajal says that I have given them my reward and saved them from my punishment then the angels say oh Allah and amongst them was a person who didn't really intend to go and benefit and seek knowledge and learn, he was passing by and he saw a group of people sitting, so he sat with them. And Allah Azza wa Jalla says, he too will be forgiven. For these are a group of people, فَهُمُ They are the people that those who sit with them, choose to sit with them, will never be deprived from their reward. Right, And that's to show you how enveloping that mercy of Allah Azza wa Jal is, that even the person who was dragged along didn't really want to come, maybe was just passing by, thought, okay, I have a few minutes to spare, I'll sit as well, and then he just ends up sitting. He's not really there to study and to learn, but he just wanted to be part of it, just something which he wanted to be a part of. The Prophet ﷺ told us in the hadith that Allah Azza wa Jal forgives such a person as well. And so when he says from the virtues of the seekings, gatherings of knowledge is غَشِيَتُمُ الرَّحْمَةِ they will be covered by Allah's mercy. It is that type of covering that therefore doesn't really exclude anyone from that position so long as obviously they don't have an ulterior motive and an ill uh, intention. And so this is the meaning of the word ghashiya. And so when the night comes, it is from the greatest signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The night comes. And Allah Azza wa tells us in other parts of the Quran, وَجَعَلَ اللَّيْلَ سَكَنَا Right, the day is the time of uh, of you know going and and and, and working and, and busyness and energy and movement and things are happening or not happening and then when the night comes sakana and Allah Azza made the night a time of rest. Right? It's a time of ease. It's a time when people stop moving and they go home and they chill and they spend time with their families and they start to wind down from their day. Right? The word second means a time of 
tranquility, a time of peace, a time of rest, a time of ease. That is the sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is amazing how Allah has made us people who are more inclined in the night to want to sleep and to rest. And during the day, the sunlight gives us more energy and a burst of energy. And that is why the Prophet told us that Allah has blessed this ummah in the early morning part, right as the sun rises. This ummah has been blessed in its early morning. And the evening was a time when the Prophet وسلم, and some of the companions mentioned in their narration, he would dislike وسلم, to speak after Isha, meaning to do anything after Isha except to rest and get ready to call it a night. Right? And that's something which you which you find even till today in, in many communities, especially when you know in villages and so on, where the evening is now not really a time for anything else. Obviously, you know, in the West and in big cities and capital cities and so on, it is different. We have kind of changed the way that we were naturally meant to be. Um, and, and that's what you find. You know, sometimes like now there's a big move in certain places and, and in certain countries and cities, you will find people actually saying that that's something which we need to re-look at, right? It's something which needs to be re-looked at because it's a problem, right? If in certain places, uh, if in certain places, people aren't able to go and to, uh, you know, like during the day they're busy and then during the evening they're busy and so on. And so you do find that actually, even in our time today. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath by this and the night is an amazing time. It is a time for rest, as we said. It's a time when people... Uh, you know when people go back and they and they and they and they call it a night and so on, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has blessed the, the night and He has blessed the day. He's made the day a time for for work and a time for for seeking Allah's provision and His sustenance and so on. And He's made the evening have its own particular qualities. And there is ibadah in the day and there is ibadah in the night. In fact, it is uh, for that reason that some of the scholars even mention uh, as one of the the reasons or the wisdoms behind why during the day, right, generally speaking, why are the day prayers silent prayers? And why are the evening prayers or the night prayers, if you like, which are Fajr, Maghrib and Isha, when it's dark, are loud prayers? And some of the scholars said because it goes against the norm of what happens during those times of the day. The day is a time of movement and action. And so when you come to pray, it is easy for you to be tranquil and to achieve peace when it's a silent prayer. Because it goes against what's happening. Everything is movement and noise and speaking. and, and So the salah, dhuhr and asr, is a time of silence. It is personal. right? There's no recitation, there's no loud recitation or anything. Whereas the timing of the night prayers, which is fajr and maghrib and isha, when people are normally quiet and people are normally taking it easy, then the opposite is done. right? The prayer becomes loud. right? And so it goes against what, what would actually be happening outside because some of the scholars said, it is more likely, therefore, for a person to have khushur, right? Otherwise, you know, people maybe, especially for Fajr and Isha, maybe they nod off, they fall asleep if it was a silent prayer because they're tired and they're, and they're, they've, or they've just woken up for Fajr and so on. And so it goes against what is the norm of those times. And Allah Azza knows best. And that is some of the, like, you know, you will find that some of the scholars mentioned that. And it is a nice, uh, it is a nice uh, wisdom to be taken from, from those salawat and, and whether they're loud prayers or silent prayers. And Allah Azza wa knows best. Uh, Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala he said Allah Azza wa takes an oath by the night when it is covered when it covers the, the when it covers the earth or it covers the sun وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا يُغْشِ الشَّمْسَ حَتَّى تَغِيبَ فَتُظْلِمَ الْآفَاقِ He says that Allah Azza wa takes an oath by the night as it covers the sun until it 
until it disappears, meaning that you can't see the sun anymore, and the horizons are darkened, right? The horizons become dark. And that is also similar, very similar to the statement of Qatada, Rahimahullah uh, Ta'ala. He said something very similar also, that the night covers the sun, right? And obviously what they're referring to is obviously the night uh, covering the sun in terms of darkness coming upon the earth. In verse number 5, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then takes another oath. And this time the oath is concerning the sky. Allah azawajal says, وَالسَّمَاءِ وَمَا بَنَاهَا By the sky and how he built it. By the sky and how he built it. That's the translation of Professor Abdul Halim. Uh, in the translation of Muhsin Khan, by the heaven and him who built it. Mufti Taqi, by the sky and the one who built it. And Sahih International, by the sky and he who constructed it. And so you see that the three of them, other than Abdul Halim, they've chosen a different tafsir to Abdul Halim. Right? And we will come on to this, and that issue is referring to the ma, what the ma refers to in the verse. Wa ma banaha. The ma, does it refer to the what or does it refer to the who? But that's something, inshallah ta'ala which we will speak about now. So Allah in, in verse number 5 is taking another oath, and this time the oath is referring to the creation of the sky, the creation of the sky or the heavens. And Imam Al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says that Allah takes an oath by the sky. And the sky in and of itself is also from the great signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah tells us in other verses of the Qur'an that why don't you look at the sky and how it's been raised without any pillars that you can see right meaning that the sky doesn't have you know it doesn't we can't see like for example uh you know uh, ropes attached to it from above that are holding it up no pillars below it that are holding it up and keeping it steady Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the sky and it's an amazing creation of Allah azza wa jal not only because it is something which we can visibly see, right? It's something above us that we can see, but in the way that it is above us, that it is a canopy above us that covers us, and it's something which Allah Azza wa has created, like He said, without any visible structure to our naked eye that is holding it up. So Allah Azza wa takes an oath by the sky, by the heavens, and He says, "Wama banaha," right? And the word "mahya," and we mentioned this uh, previously in in the Tafsir of Surah Al-Layl. The word ma, which can mean what, or can mean that, or can mean who, depending on the context of the verse in the Arabic language, can come with a, a number of different meanings. From the meanings of ma, is that which was, right? And that's the translation that you have here of, of, um, of uh, Abdul Halim, Professor Abdul Halim, sama'i wa ma banaha, by the sky and its building, right? By the sky and how it was built. So the sky is an amazing creation. And the manner in which Allah created it is also amazing. So the sky is amazing, its creation is amazing. But also from the meaning of ma, and that's the position also that was chosen by a number of the scholars of tafsir, and that's why you find, in the, as we saw in the translations, Mufti Taqi, Muhsin Khan, Sahih International, they went towards this point, um, that it's referring to men. The ma means who. So Allah is taking an oath by the sky and then he's taking an oath by the one who constructed and built and created the sky, meaning himself subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he's taking an oath by the sky and he's taking an oath 
by the one who built the sky. And that is the position of Mujahid and Qatada. And it's the one that was chosen by Ibn Jadir al-Tabari. Rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, وَالسَّمَاءِ وَمَنْ بَنَاهَا يَعْنِي وَمَنْ خَلَقَهَا وَبَنَاؤُهُ إِيَّاهَا تَصِيرُهُ إِيَّاهَا الْأَرْضِ سَقْفَا He said, Allah Azza takes an oath by the sky, the heavens, and by the one who created, meaning himself subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the one who created it, and he is the one who made it like a canopy, or if you like, like a ceiling for the earth. Right? That's the position that was chosen by, uh, by Imam al-Tabri rahimahullah ta'ala. Clearly, the two again, you know, necessitate one another, right? If you say it's about the sky and how it was built, then clearly its building or the one uh, its creation points to the Creator Subhanahu Wa Taala. And if you say that it's referring to the sky and the Creator Subhanahu Wa Taala, then obviously it's referring to Allah Azza wa Jal. All of them, essentially, whether it's the sun or the moon or the night or the day or the sun or the earth or whatever it may be, <coughs> all of them are referring not only to the creation of those things, but ultimately the point of them is to refer you back to the Creator, right? That's what the point is, to refer you back to the one who created them. Because when Allah is taking an oath by them, is to make us think and reflect and ponder and contemplate. And ultimately what we're pondering over and, and, and reflecting upon is who created it. And that the one who created these things is worthy of worship alone, subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah says, إِنَّ فِي خَلْقِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَاخْتِلَافِ اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ لَآيَاتٍ لِأُولِي الْأَلْبَابِ Indeed, in the creation of the heavens and the earth and the alternation of the night and the day are, 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 um, are signs for a people of understanding. And Allah says in Surah Fussilat, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ اللَّيْلُ وَالنَّهَارُ وَالشَّمْسُ وَالْقَمَرُ لَا تَسْجُدُوا لِلشَّمْسِ وَلَا لِلْقَمَرُ and from the signs of Allah is the day and the night and the sun and the moon. Don't worship the sun and the moon, but rather worship the one who created them, if indeed you truly worship him. And so Allah is saying that to look at these things and then to think that they are gods besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows that you haven't contemplated and thought over them correctly. But rather what they should lead you to is the one who created them lead you to the one who created them. Why? Because each one, despite their amazingness, has within itself also some deficiency. Right? As is in the story of Ibrahim السلام, when he says that I'm going to worship the sun and then he says, no, but the sun sets. So he can't be a god. Okay, I'm going to worship the moon. But the moon also sets. Right? It also becomes invisible for a period of the day. So I'm not going to worship that. Okay, we'll worship the stars. But they too also uh, disappear after a period of time. So they can also be gods. And so each one within them inherently also has some weakness. Right? They have some weakness because Allah Azza has not given perfection to anything in that sense except Himself subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so all of them essentially then point you back to the Creator Jalla Fi'una. And so when you look at these signs, the sun, the moon, the night, the day, the earth, the heavens, the trees, the oceans, the mountains, they should all lead you back to the question, so who created them? And that leads you back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so Allah Azza takes an oath in this verse, in this surah, as we can see, by a number of these creations that are from the greatest of his creations, subhanahu wa ta'ala. In verse number six, Allah Azza then takes an earth and uh, takes an oath by the earth. And we can see the pairing that is going on here. So verses one and two, the sun and the moon. Verses three and four, the night and the day. Now verses five and six, the heavens and the earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse number 6, وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا طَحَاهَا 
and by the earth and how he spread it. And that's the translation again of Professor Abdul Halim. Uh, Muhsin Khan, by the earth and him who spread it. Mufti Taqi, by the earth and the one who spread it. And Sahih International, by the earth and he who spread it. And again, they've chosen the position. The same thing here as in verse number five. Is the Mahia referring to the who, meaning the creator of the earth, and that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or is it referring to how it was created? The earth and its creation, or the earth, the earth and its spreading, its tahaha. And so therefore, that's what's being referred to here. And as we said before, you know, you have the position of both scholars and each one of them actually necessitates the other. So these are not, again, contradictions in tafsir. It's not like they chose one and they chose the other. There are two varying contradictory points of tafsir. You must choose one or the other. Actually, the two complement one another because each one ultimately points back in one way or another to the creator, and that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah Azza takes an oath by the earth, right? Takes an oath by the earth. And then Allah Azza says, وَمَا طَحَاهَا And what is the meaning of the word طَحَاهَا? Right? What is the meaning of the word طَحَاهَا? Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, طَحَاهَا أَيْ بَسَطَهَا يَمِينًا وَشِمَالًا وَمِنْ كُلِّ جَانِبٍ It means that Allah spread it to the east and to the west or to the right and to the uh, to the north and to the south and in every single direction and that is something which we find in the quran that allah Azzawajal mentions this well uh, that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the earth and how it was spread right the earth and how it was spread out and that is the position of uh, ibn abbas radiallahu uh, or, or rather it is the position of abu salih and mujahid and ibn zayd that the meaning of the word tahaha is that it was the spreading of the earth, right? The spreading of the earth. Ibn Abbas, it is said, one of the positions of Tafsir that is referred to, that is um, attributed to him, radiyallahu anhuma, is that he said that the meaning of Tahaha is, وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا خَلَقَ فِيهَا That Allah Azza is creating an, uh, making an oath by the earth, taking an oath by the earth, and everything that he created within it. Right? Everything that he created within it. And so, uh, that's the position, or one of the positions of Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhuma. So it's an, a, a, an, oath by, uh, an oath by the earth, and the second oath is an oath by everything that Allah has created upon the earth. So that would include the trees, the mountains, the seas, the oceans, the humans, the animals, the plants, everything that Allah has placed upon the earth. And in some other narrations of Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhuma, he said, the meaning of it is, وَمَا قَسَّمَهَا And the way that Allah has proportioned the earth right or split it up and made it into different things mountains seas oceans land deserts etc etc but the most popular position if you like or the one that most of the scholars have chosen of tafsir is the first position and that is the position that was chosen by al-tabari rahimahullah ta'ala and after him by the likes of ibn kathir rahimahullah ta'ala and that is that the meaning of the word tahaha is that it's referring to the spread of the earth Right, it's referring to how Allah Azzawajal has made the earth spread out. And that is an amazing sign from the signs of Allah. And no doubt from the meaning of that spreading of the earth is the other things that we have mentioned also. The fact that the earth is not just all the same. It's not all one level. It's not all one type of terrain. It's not all ocean or all dry land or all grass or all sand or all desert. It is so varied and different that from one country to another and sometimes even from in, in, within the same country, from one location to another, one place to another, it varies. Parts of it that are flat and parts of it that are mountainous. Parts of it that are low, 
close to the sea level and parts of it that are very high above the sea level. Parts of it that are that are extremely hot in temperature and parts that are extremely cold in temperature. Parts that are amazing to see, beautiful, and other parts that are perhaps considered to be ordinary. It is amazing in the way that Allah has created and from that creation is also therefore that everything that Allah has placed within it. From its trees and from its beauties and from its oceans and from its mountains and from its deserts and even what Allah has placed within the earth from its treasures and its minerals and its oils and everything else that we have within the earth. All of that shows not only the, 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 the amazing nature of this creation of Allah but it points to the perfection of the creator subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the position of these scholars who said that it refers to the spreading of the earth is because they said that the word tahaha, that's what it means in the Arabic language. So it's a position chosen also by the linguists, by the Arabic scholars of the Arabic language. They said that it means tahawtuhu, yani and that's the one that's also referred to as the meaning uh, that was chosen by Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah ta'ala in his sahih as to the meaning of this verse as well. So in these six verses, we essentially have Allah Azzawajal taking an oath by these amazing creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The sun, the moon, the day, the night, the heavens, the earth, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in each one, in one way or another, is pointing back to himself subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then we will come on to inshallah ta'ala next week now uh, in verses 7 onwards, the reason for which it is taken, the oaths that are, these are all taken, essentially comes back to the soul, right? the person, the soul of a person and what they choose to do with that soul in terms of its purification or lack thereof. But I think inshallah ta'ala that is a good place for us to stop today, bithnillahi ta'ala. So if there's any questions that anyone has, any comments that anyone wants to make, then inshallah ta'ala we can uh, take some of them. If not, I will give everyone like a minute or so. And if not, then inshallah ta'ala we will conclude. Okay, so if there's no questions, then inshallah ta'ala we will conclude for today. Barakallahu fikum. And inshallah ta'ala next week, because the clocks are going back uh, an hour in the UK, so this Sunday clocks in the UK go back an hour, uh, then inshallah ta'ala from next week our class will be at 8 p.m. UK time. So 8 p.m. UK time. So inshallah from next uh, Tuesday onwards now, so the class will no longer be at 8.30, but rather 8 p.m. UK time so I just want to make that clear and inshallah if someone can put that onto the um, the chat groups that we have the telegram groups uh, for everyone's benefit then I would greatly appreciate that Jazakumullah khairan so inshallah from next week inshallah we will be at 8pm UK time Barakallahu fikum wa sallallahu alayhi wa muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh